I'm just going to dive into the word. Is it okay? Romans chapter 12. Mm. And I really, I really got this. I guess the kids can go back to children's church if they want to. I really believe that God has more for us. Hey, Phyllis, did I give you my glass case? Could you hand it to me? So I want you to go with me, Romans chapter 12. And no, I haven't had the need to wear bifocals yet. That's not why I have this. Now, somebody told me the other day that they had to wear it. Who was it? Was that? Oh, that was you, wasn't it, buddy? <laughs> 60 looks good on you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but listen to this. Go with me, Romans chapter 12. And how many of us, it's okay to smile in church? I don't know why we think we have to be so... Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read this, and I'm going to read it out of two different translations. I wish I had, I wish I would have brought three or four translations, because some of them are so good. Some of them are really so good that they, they bring out, some bring out the, the, the meaning of the words that they used back in that time a little better than others do. And, and uh, I don't find fault with that. I've had friends of mine, and we're still friends. And the, all they'll read is King James, and that's fine. That's okay, you know. But I, but I do know, as being a student, I'm not um, as educated as some people are or think they are. But I do know that there are, there are things that can lead you into a greater enlightenment. I, I've studied under, let's see, I don't know, over the years, I've, I have a pastor, and uh, She's still alive. Yes, it is a woman. And she'd done a very well, very good job when there was all the other men preachers around her that couldn't do what she did. She built a church in the middle of a place that men didn't want to tackle. Got it built. And it's probably a couple of million dollar church now if you were to sell it. And she's still there. She's in her 80s. And I have deep respect for her. So I still have a pastor, and this ain't my message, but I'm not a vagabond. You you know what a vagabond is. Do you realize the first curse, the the second curse, after the fall of Adam, this ain't my message, but the curse after the fall of Adam, I think I told you this the other day, Lord dropped this in my spirit, that the first curse after the fall of Adam was on Cain, because Cain could not worship with his brother. And he said, because you cannot, and how many, knows, how many knows what a vagabond is? A vagabond is somebody that doesn't have a home. I don't mean a house you live in. You don't have a home where you are planted because you're the planting of the Lord. What, mo- what a lot of people, and I've got a lot of, I know a lot of people that do this. They jump from church to church to church to church to church to church, and it never ends. 
or they don't have a church. They just, they just go to all the revivals, you know. And that's, that's not God's plan. Well, hello, somebody. That's not God's plan. And he said, he said uh, Cain, because you can't worship with your brother or take my instruction, you'll be a vagabond. You'll, you'll, be a, you'll, you'll go from here to there. You'll always run from here to there. And, and Cain never had a prominent position or a prominent word. Cain never amounted to anything but brought decisiveness into his family. Well, that's, that's preaching right there. When you don't have a home, a church home, a church family, when you refuse to take instruction, no matter how smart you are, you're on the wrong path. You're on the path that's not, gonna, not only going to lead you in the wrong direction, but it's going to lead your descendants in the wrong direction. And it will lead people that interact with you in the wrong direction. Boy, it's quiet in here. Boy, it's quiet in here. I ain't going to preach on that today. That's not what I'm preaching about. But I had to throw that in there for some reason. But we'll develop that at another time. And, uh, man, I, I, I'm still feasting off of what God did in here last Sunday. Mm, 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 mm. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I started to say I'd learned under, under several, including my pastor uh, that's been there 80 years. I'll be with her this month for about a week and um, giving honor to her, building her work up, helping her build that up. Never go in to tear down, go in to add to. If you can't add to, don't go. Yes, don't even attempt to go. And so you never tear down. I, I'm not sent there to correct people. Amen. I'm sent there to encourage people yes, to build up the body of Christ. Yes, I've tried to tell uh, some of the preachers that come up under me, uh, don't ever go into a place and try to re-corral the people and do your thing because that may not be their idea. Every, everybody has its personality. Everybody, I don't mean, well, everybody does too, but every body of Christ has its own personal personality. And, and uh, I'm not one of those, let me put you on my knee and, and baby you kind of guys. Now some pastors are, but that's just not me. That's why a lot of people don't like me. And it's okay. I'm okay with it. And so I, I just like, I, you know, I'll tell you, some people say, will you counsel me? I said, well, if you want the truth. And they go like, well, I don't want no Bible stuff. And I said, well, you don't want counseling then. You, don't, you, you said you wanted counseling. You know, if you just want my opinion, I can give you that over the phone. But I don't like to do stuff over the phone. I, I like to look people in the eye. I like to watch them sweat. And I've seen that a lot of times. Anyway, let's go on. Romans, <laughs> Romans, twelve. Romans chapter twelve. Let's read this first in the King James. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, let me uh, read this and amplify it. 
And if I had the passion and a couple others, I would read it because it really brings this home. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive de dedication. Everybody say decisive dedication. You've got to make up your mind that you are not going to be swayed or persuaded by anybody else than him. You can't be persuaded by your buddies, your friends, your pals, your lifestyle. You've got to make up your mind that this decision has to be mine and mine alone. Because they are not going to take you and I cannot get you into heaven on my own. You have to do that. That has to be a decisive decision to follow Christ. And it has to be our children. Listen, I'm a preacher, but I can't get my kids into heaven. They have to make up a decision themselves on their own. Amen. I've taught them, and, and boy, this goes into what I'm, I want to talk about, uh, but I've taught them, but yet what they learn has to go beyond what I taught them. Yes, what they understand has to go on beyond what I say. Yes, Woo, that's that'll preach. So I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in the view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive decision of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties. How many knows that a lot of people bring their bodies to church, but they don't bring their mind? Now, I'm big on that mind thing. I really am because I see people that go through the motions in a, con a, a, a constant basis of emotional side of it. They bring their bodies, they get into worship, but their minds, uh, their heart, and we say heart, but it really means your mind, your thinking, your soul, your willpower. Listen, how many of those Jesus said it like this? They, 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 their lips, they praise me with their lips, but their heart, their will, the center of who they are is far from me. So there's a lot of people that are ever learning but never come to the knowledge of. Can I just take my time today? So they never come to, and he said, they worship me with their mouth and their lips, but their heart, their mind, their will is really far from me. And I meet people like that all the time. I meet people like that in almost every church that I've been in. After you get to know people, you find out, and that's why uh, you got to be careful who you get around you. Because they can act one way in here and act a totally different way when they get outside the door. People love to put a front on in front of the preacher. People love to put fronts on in front of other people. People love to act a certain way in front of certain people until they get around certain people that they can let down their guard and then the real them shows up. And that's the person that a lot of people keep trying to bring to God. It's not the real them. They keep trying to bring that fake person in and give God that person, God says, I can't deal with that person because that person's not real. That person's not the real you. What I need is the real you to come to the altar. What I need is the real, the real person who you are out there when you let your guard down, when nobody's watching, nobody's drinking, you're not trying to impress anybody. And that's the person that I, man, why am I preaching like this? That's the person I need to deal with because that's the person that is really who you really are. Come on, somebody, say amen. amen. And so you, you understand. So and, and see, that goes, that dovetails into what I was saying a moment ago. And I'll let you sit down in a second. Or you can sit down if you want to. I'm going to read anyway. So uh, uh, 
But that, that dovetails into the person that never really likes because when a person really starts showing their, their true selves, and uh, uh, don't put that chair against that wall back there. We've got a lot of damage back there in the hallway from that. So I just wanted to tell you that. And I've been aiming to tell you that personally, privately, but it, I just seen you dragging it made me think. So anyway, so let's go on. He can sit there, but just don't put it against the wall. Anyway, here's the idea. idea that, that What was I saying? Lord Jesus, somebody help me. Oh, it dovetails into the person that once, you get, once people start realizing who you really are, they don't stick around. They start drifting because they don't feel comfortable with exposing that person who they are on the altar. Boy, it's quiet in here. They don't, they don't like that man. I'm, and, and see... Uh, it, that gets into the idea of if, as they want, wasn't it not God that corrected Cain and said, you know, if you do well, you do well. If you do well, or sin crouches at the door. But if you do well, it'll be okay. If you look at your brother, if you worship you with your brother, if you get in the family, you'll be all right. But how many knows I'm telling the truth? Now, I'm going to say something that's really going to shock some of you. Preachers are some of the most insecure beings on earth. I've had preachers come here and instantly after they preached, they would say, was that, was that okay? I'm like, well, did God give that to you? I mean, I, I, I kid you not. And they'd call me going down the road. Did I do okay? Was that okay? Was, I mean, it was all right. Uh, I'm like, did you get an offering? Yeah, okay. If I didn't like what you said, you probably wouldn't have got an offering. Some of these rebellions might have handed you, you know, like, here you go, buddy. You know, them offerings they stick in their thumb and they're like, oh, yeah. The, the ideal of it is, is that, is that and, and I'm really serious about when I say that, and I, most preachers don't tell you that, but they're most, some of the most insecure people because they want to be accepted. They want to be alike. They want to be secure in what they do. They want to feel like they really knocked out of the park, and it doesn't matter whether you're liked or not. You preach what God gives you, and that's it. That's it. Now, does it encourage you? Is it encouraging when people say that was a great message? Yeah, yeah, you know. And some people think it's their religion not to tell the preacher he'd done a good job. Don't tell him that. He'll get a big head. No, well, it might, it, he might be on the verge of quitting. And you're one time saying, you know, because a lot of people just limit it to one time saying. That was good. And... uh it might keep him going. It might give him some encouragement. Now, I, I don't ask Phyllis how I, I, I never ask her how I done because I really don't want to know. But I do ask her what she learned. Ask, ask anybody that rides with me. Ask Frank and Linda what they, what they find out, what they go down. When we get in the car, we get down eating. I'm like, as soon as we get in the car, we all park. Like, you ask him, ask him, what do I say first thing? What'd you get out of that? What'd you learn out of that? Did, I, did it make sense to you? Did you learn anything? Because if you didn't learn anything, I'm, I'm not doing my job. Because we're not called here just to get you excited. We're called here to teach you something so that when you walk out that door, you are ready, you are ready to, to combat the forces that come against you and other people that come in contact with you. So you're not just meeting people just to be meeting people. God, God can orchestrate you connecting with people so that you can help them 
get through some of the things they're getting through. And that you are the light of the world, a city that's set on the hill. And your job is not to just come to church and feel good. Your job, your job, what you are to do is you're to come in here, learn, grab a hold of, and take it back out there and be a light to others that don't. But the reason that we don't do that a lot is because we're not comfortable with giving our expression. Because you're, a lot of times we're not comfortable here because you bring the wrong person to church. You bring the person that you want us to think you are. Woo. Because if we really, if we really, if, (laughs) I thought of something funny, but I ain't going to share it. But anyway, if we really let people know who we really are, we're afraid people won't really like us. So I've just, I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, I might as well be who I am Because if you like me, I want you to like me for me, the real me, not for the fake me. Not not for this this persona I put on and say that that's me and it's not me and God knows that ain't me. You know, hello somebody. Now I was coming up to, you know, I I don't know if he's coming up to say hi to me or whatever, but Dan come out the door while I go and he caught me in the middle of spitting. He did, I, you know, and I was like, <clears throat> and he went, oh, oh, Jesus, <laughs> which is okay. I, I probably would have too, but I wasn't sick, you know. I just had to clear my throat and spit. That's not very, you know, it's not something you want to talk about, but, and I didn't mean for him to see it, but he saw it. That's just who I am. What did they say on that movie, Titanic. He looked at her and said, she said, I, I spit like a man. <laughs> Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. <laughs> I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God. This is going to be good, I guarantee it. it it's good to me. To make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as living as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. How many knows that when you offer yourself completely to God, that you are literally worshiping God without reservation. And when I worship God, I don't like to hold anything back. So listen to what this says. Now, if I were to say this word, if I were to say metamorphosis, what would you say, Sister Rose? Evolving, growing, that's good. What would you say? What would you say, Rob? Changing. What would would you say? Butterfly. If I asked you to come up here, would you have butterflies in your stomach? Would you? I could go with that, but I'll leave it alone. Butterfly. And that's good because everything they said has connection with that. When you say metamorphosis, most people, the first thing they think about is a butterfly because a butterfly who was born crawling on the ground doesn't usually get like 
several feet away from where it was, it was, it was, it was hatched or born, whatever it does. It, doesn't, it usually stays on the same plant and eats out of that same plant. But then something happens. Something causes that butterfly, something down deep, some kind of um, instinct starts changing the inside of that butterfly first. If something starts telling the butterfly, climb higher. Something starts whispering in the internals of that butterfly, climb. I don't know if a butterfly or a caterpillar can think. I don't know if they think. I know you're thinking. We don't know either. But I don't know how they, but it's something in, 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 that, that comes through it's it's uh it's in it's not intellectual but it's instinct that starts telling it there's something better or or maybe it's not saying something better that's our way of putting it but somehow or another those instincts speak to that butterfly and every time I go to like to the zoo or to a museum or something, they have a butterfly exhibit, I go in there. I'm just, I'm amazed by their transformation. I'm amazed by how they transform. They go from this creature that never, I mean, it never knew anything. All it's ever known is dirt and the lowest part of whatever. I mean, they never knowed anything else. Eating off of a little leaf for its days until that instinct on the inside says climb and they start climbing and they climb out to usually on the middle or the edge of a branch not easily reached by other creatures maybe an ants I guess I don't know but they get out there and all of a sudden they start wrapping this silk looking stuff around them until they're fully encased in that place hello somebody he, there's a work on the wheel, so to speak, that starts happening right there. And the transformation, you can't see it. You can't, it looks dead. How many's ever felt dead? Just dead. Like you're at the end of the road, that you're just, you're just enclosed in. I haven't studied this out. I'm just preaching purely what God's pouring into me right now. And you feel that that thing looks dead. If you were to go up and shake it and rattle it, nothing would have happened. That thing is in that cocoon and it's wrapped up in there. And what's going on, you can't see. But there is a change happening. Some of you have been wrapped up and you feel like you're dead. You feel like you're not growing. Oh, you're growing, but nobody can see it. If you'll just hold on, if you'll just hang in there, if you'll just let God finish the work that he started in your life. Look at somebody and say, let God finish the work which he started in your life. Let God finish the work. And it's not easy. Did you get through it? Did you learn anything? That's the important thing. So... I, you know, I didn't answer, but the Lord has a way, and God's got a sense of humor. If you think you don't, look around the room. Look up here. God has a sense of humor. He'll take the foolish and confound the wise. 
But the ideal of it is, is God has a way of, of making us, and, and I've, so what I'm getting at when I said that was, is I've kind of just not gone out. I've not gone out. I've kind of went dormant in myself. And I was thinking about that the other day. And there's a reason why that I've been dormant. I've tried to stay, I wanted to focus more in on, on here, on you. But I can't really, I really can't really teach you because, uh, you know, 90 minutes on a Sunday morning really is not going to do the job. So when God says, call, call for a couple of night service and you don't show up, that's, that's between you and Lord. I did my part. I offered it. I brought it. I brought it to the table. I, you know, you bring it to the table and it's up to people to eat. You know, you call your kids suppers ready. You know, when they come, God makes things available. If you don't eat it, that's not on him. That's on you. So here's the idea. When that happens, at that, that um, so I, I've kind of put myself, and, and the thought, thought that the enemy likes to come in and make you feel like that you're ineffective, that you're dormant, that you're done. No, let me tell you something. If you're still breathing, God ain't done. It's okay. That's okay. So the, the ideal of it is, is that, so when I look at that, I'm thinking, God, okay, Lord, now I'm, I've, I've allowed myself with this instinct to be put in this cocoon because what's going on? And I hear the Lord saying, I'm, I'm, I'm separating you from the inferior. I'm separating you from, from the inferior culture mindset. I'm separating you from, from all the stuff. And I've listen, and I said a moment ago that I have a pastor that I've been under for years, years, years. I've, I've sat on other pastors, and one of them hurt my feelings real bad one time. It really did. It really hurt my feelings real bad. I mean, I worked for him and did a lot of stuff for him and just, I mean, I hold their garden. I'd done a lot of stuff. And I've been with him for four or five years, six years. And um, one time I was leading service for him. And it really offended me, and I really had to get, get over it. And, uh, and uh, I was up leading the service, and one of the older ladies come up after church, and I, I was behind the, well, I ain't going to tell you where I was, but I was, it was like I, was, I wasn't seen, but I could hear. And I heard him say, oh, that young man you got up there that sings. I said, boy, we really enjoy that. Is he, is he, is he, go, is he go to your church? And they're like, well, he comes to our church, but he's not one of ours. Cut like you ever heard the song "Cut Like a Knife"? It cut me like a knife. I mean, it cut deep because I'd already been there five or six years, something like that, and gave—I mean, gave—I I don't mean just gave money, which I did that too, but I gave my everything, everything. And when I heard him say, "No, they're not one of ours; they're from another place." I thought, well, why did God send me here then to get cut? And it cut me deep. I mean deep. I think I've told you that. And it cut me deep. And I, it took me a long time to really, and I, I, had to let that, I had to let that callus over, you know, scab over. And then there'd be little things that would come along and try to pick that scab off. And I kept having to put bandages over it, you know. What kind of bandage did you use? You know, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that, he, you know, I had to keep putting word over it. He, the best, best remedy for when you've been hurt is don't try to get philosophies of men. 
Put the word over it. Put the, put the word of God over it. And, and, and you know, I, I've been doing this a long time. I've been here a long time. And, uh, you know, people come and go. And, and, you know, you can pour your life into people. And when people get ready to do the hiatus, you know the hiatus is, don't you? See ya. But they don't tell you nothing. They don't say, here's the reason I'm going or here's a good reason I'm going or here's the reason why I'm leaving or, you know, God's moving me or, you know. They, they, people don't, they don't care. They don't, have, they don't have any regard for your feelings. But God forbid... Well, it's quiet. And see, you can, pour, you can pour your life into it. You can pour your life into something and give all of your time and, you know, and, and you can disregard your own family. And I'm not, this is not what I'm preaching on, but you can disregard all that and still they'll just walk out like you ain't nothing. Won't even give you a word. Won't even give you a reason. Won't even call you. Won't even send you a card. They just walk out. They just get up and leave because they don't want to hear it. But I'm going to tell it. Yes, That's the way people are. Yes, people are disrespectful. People are dishonoring. Yeah. And they act like they're just, just God's chosen. Right. Just the Lord loves me. And don't care about nobody else. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this and get off this subject because it's touchy. But, but whether I'm your pastor or not, if I'm not your pastor, please don't do that to your pastor. Ever. Give them the reason why you're leaving and do it with love. Boy, it's quiet here. Because, listen, you say, well, well, you hurt me. How many times you hurt them? Well, they're supposed to be an iron pillar. They don't have feelings. Yes, they do. Don't ever think they don't. They do. But here, Lord, God, have mercy. Am I being too uh, real? I'm, I, I'm being too real. Well, thank you, Rose. I appreciate that. <laughs> and, and, you know, when you, we think like in those terms, when you really get that in your mind and you realize that, that, that I don't want, you know what? I don't like hurting people. I don't. You know, we have, we have over 60,000 thoughts or more a day. I put this out the other day. 60,000 thoughts or more a day. Do you realize that 90% of those thoughts are repetitive thoughts? Thoughts that you already thought yesterday, the day before, last week, last month, last night, this morning. They're usually thoughts that we've, that we've already thought. And 85% of that 90% is negative. Where does that leave us? That's why that... The Lord went to great lengths to try to get us metamorphosized. And that's where I'm talking in this cocoon of what the Lord has put me in is, is separating us from the inferior into another level. Let's go. Y'all ready? To separate from the inferior mindset, the inferior culture, the inferior way of, of dealing with things or thinking about things into a higher level. Mm. Now watch what he says right here. Now we're going to go in a little bit deeper today. 
Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, and you could add on new, 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 so that you may prove for yourselves what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Now, how many of you know that Jesus, now watch how this comes together. How many knows, and I'm telling you, I didn't study this out, but I woke up this morning with a word that was like drilled into my mind and I thought, God, I gotta dive into this. So I couldn't wait to get here to see what God is gonna tell all of us, me included. This is fresh for me. So here's the idea. God is saying, how many members where the Bible says that, that the works that I do shall you do and even greater? Now, how many knows everybody's looking for greater? Everybody's looking for it. But when you look that up, when, and I had Phyllis look up some words on the way to church. When you look that up, it's not talking about different. It's talking about taking it to the next level. The things that Jesus did going to the next level. How many knows that we have yet to achieve the majority of the things that Jesus has done or did do? And we're out here looking for something different. Uh, are you following me? But we've got to expand upon what he has already done. And when we expand upon what he's already done, then we might be able to move up into another level and do greater than what those things were. I wish somebody grab a hold of this. So when I say, now, now I learned, I mentioned my pastor a while ago, and I, you know, when, I left, I, when I left, I asked her permission, and she blessed me and left, and I went and worked with those that denied me later. Praise God, one of them, especially. But anyway, the idea of it is, is, is um, uh, uh, when I left, I, I went through different phases and different uh, growing periods and different uh, metamorphoses and got in cocooned and wrapped in the word and got changed in my mind and, and finally got to where I am today. <sighs> Hello, somebody. And it's okay. And here's the idea. Now, you're, a lot of y'all trying to figure me out. You ain't going to do it. You ain't going to figure me out. I've been married to Phyllis for 40 years and she's still trying. I'm complicated. But the idea of it is, is that, now watch this. So as I move into different seasons, I, I, there was different uh, teachers that came into my life. As, as, as the Lord had me going through the levels to where I could get to where I could help you. Because I knew that I didn't want to give you, because there was something inside of me, like the instinct in that caterpillar saying, climb higher. Because I want to climb higher. I don't want to just be trapped in the 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 superficial or the what was that what it was the moment I, the, the inferior. I don't want to be trapped in that. I think there's always a higher level we can go to. 
And I'm not just talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about the spiritual aptitude that we can gain by learning. And so what I tried to do was I tried to educate myself and apply myself, set eight hours behind a closed door, sat in in, in conferences, sat in uh, uh, teachings, classes, six and a half, seven years to do that, got degrees, which they don't mean nothing. Uh, but the, I do, and, and listen, I don't say that to get you like, Ooh, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, you know, carnal knowledge is one thing. But every one of them, listen, I said all that to say Every one of them that I sat under taught from a lens that they sat under. When I sat under most of the professors that I sat on, Dushies, uh, uh, Ron Cottle, Fuchsia Pickett, I mean, David Alsobrook, I can name out tons of them that I sat under. And the college that I was in, there was 87 different professors that taught in the theology, theological courses, and they were all Holy Ghost Spirit-filled Pentecostal. Every one of them, every one of them. And every one of them, the reason I'm saying is, is because every one of them taught through the lens of what they had learned. Every one of them had talked through the lens of what they had learned. Oh, hello, somebody. Every one of them had expressed their opinions and their teachings were, 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 were based on the different lenses that they taught through. When you talk to people, that's why it's hard for us to get along because we want to see through one lens. We only have one lens we want to see through. We, well, hello, somebody. And that's the way we are. We expect our children to, to, to act upon the ways that we've taught them. But I'm telling you right now that, that I don't want them, I don't want Spencer, John, and Jessica to train their children just the way I train them. I want them to do it the way that is better for them, the best for them. Hello. And, and my ideal is, listen, that, that when God says, listen, when he says, be transformed, that's what he's saying. Uh, the, the word, the word, that's where we get the word, kind of the word metanoia. You all familiar with the word metanoia? It's to change. But guess what meta, meta means, meta means, oh, Lord. Meta, how many knows what the word meta? Metanoia. Noia means uh, to, uh, huh? Come on. No, meta, noia. To change, meta, no, it comes from two Greek words. Meta, listen to this, y'all look at me like, can we just shout? I'd love to shout. Maybe we'll shout after we know what we're shouting about. I know I'm saved, I'm gonna shout about that. Listen to this, meta is the word, it's, it's where you get the word beyond. Beyond. Beyond inferior knowledge. Be ye transformed Come into that metanoia. That's when you get saved. What happens? You don't just bring your body in and don't change the way you think. You get your thinking up into another level. It's beyond the inferior. Oh, Jesus. It, be, it gets beyond. It starts walking into an area that when you start seeing what he wants you to see, what you start doing what he wants you to do, you start saying what he wants you to say. You're not limited because you're looking through the lens of what somebody else said. Now, oh, Jesus. So that's why, listen, Nicodemus and some of those others, they taught, they were speaking out of a limited lens of what somebody else said. God has, so let me say just like this. God has so much more for you than what you realize. Come on, somebody. But we're not willing to get our minds into the position or the place or the state of mind to where the God 
God can lead us into areas and do and say and begin to meditate in areas that we're not we're not familiar with. That's where you're at in the cocoon right now. But you see, you crawl for a while, but some instinct inside of you says, die out to the inferior, die out to crawling, die out. And if you're not willing to die out, if you're not willing to get on the potter's wheel, if you're not willing to grow, then you're going to stay right there. And it's okay. You can remain a caterpillar if you want to, but baby, I want to fly. I want to see colors. I want to see fragrances. I want to be introduced to things that I couldn't get while I was crawling. And that's my spiritual aptitude. My thinking is there is no limit to what God can do. We only limit him according to the lens that we've been used to looking through. We are limited in looking at things through a lens that we have been given. That's why some people, as they grow up, they've been abused. And all, you get a four-year-old, get a four-year-old example. And I hope you never do this in my, in my ears or where I can hear it because I will say something to you. Don't ever tear, tell a child they're stupid. There's one word we eliminated from my home and it's idiot. Am I telling the truth? I catch one of them calling each other idiot. That's unteachable. We're none of us are idiots. And your children aren't stupid. But you take a child that's told from an aggressive stance, stupid, you're stupid. Don't do that. That He's going to, he or she, I guess in this culture you have to say they. Let me go back to my, he or she, he or she is going to deal with that thinking the rest of their life. Am I stupid? Am I really stupid? And they're going to, they're going to wrestle with that. You know, the Jews have a way of, of, of correcting things. The kid comes home with a bad report card. They don't go, stupid kid. Why don't you learn something? Are you, can you not learn? Can you not? No, they go like, what a terrible teacher you got. Hudson came to our house the other day, and I don't know who it was. They said, well, did you learn in school? I think it was boys. They said, boys down there doing Frank Sealing. We appreciate it so much. And he was doing that Frank Sealing, and uh, I, went, I had to go get Hudson and, uh, from school. Boy said, what did you learn today? And Hudson went, I don't know. And I said, that's why he's got to go back tomorrow. They didn't teach him nothing today. <laughs> and he thought that's funny. But the Jews... They don't put that load or that burden on their children. So to tell you you have gone as far as you can go is an inferior mindset. It's an inferior way of looking at things. I'm going to tell you sky's the limit. Shoot for the stars. You might hit the moon. You can get over this. You can conquer this. You can overcome this. You can do better than this. Hello, somebody. But we're satisfied and content to come in and give you just a little bit enough to get your emotions stirred up, but you never conquer stuff. I want people to walk in and walk out conquering things. I want them walking out, stepping over stuff. I want them walking out saying, no more heroin, no more drugs, no, no more alcohol, 
no, 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 no more inferior mindset, no more inability. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have that mindset. Come on, if you'll put your mind to it, if you'll put your mind into this thing, said Brother Dave, you're just putting mind over matter. No, I'm putting the word of God over the inferior thinking of religion that says you can only do so much. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do and even greater than these. It's time for the church to jump up and climb the ladder. Hello, somebody. And start getting into that, 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 that ability to say, you know what? I'm tired of crawling. Is anybody in here tired of crawling? Does anybody want to fly? Yeah. Well, what they came out of that song years ago, I believe I can fly. Come on, somebody. How, how, and the enemies told you you'll never amount to anything. You'll never do nothing. You'll never go anywhere. Your ministry's dead. Praise God, it might be dead, but I'm just in the cocoon of what God has got me in so that when I, when I come out of this, when I come out of this inferior mindset, when I come out of this limited ability mindset, when I come out of this can't do anything mindset, I'm going to spread my wings. I'm coming. When I come, when when the time comes and the day's right, when the cocoon opens, I'm coming out of here and I'm not going to be limited. It's got to where I've been limited in my mind. I'm going to see things I ain't never saw. I'm going to do things I ain't never done. I'm going to spread my wings out and I'm going to fly in places that I could never get to when I had that crawling mindset. Is anybody hearing this preacher today? Now, if you want to live in that mindset, you go. You you have a special invitation. Go right ahead. But there's some of us that want to go a little further. There's some of us that want to go out a little further, and they're thinking with God. Hallelujah! I'm not limited to the people that I can forgive. I'm not limited to the people that I can love. Why? God doesn't want you to be the next cookie cutter Christian church. We all look the same. We all dress the same. None of us has a difference of opinion. None of us thinks outside the box. Think like us, talk like us, dress like us, shout like us. Okay. You go ahead with your bad self. But while you're crawling, I'm flying. While you're hanging out, I'm looking for something else. I told some of them, I told some of them that has invited me, I said, I I can't come right now. Why? Because I, and I didn't want to hurt their feelings. I said, and I think I told you, I said, because you ain't going to like what I'm going to say. Because I'm trying to get people out of that box that we have trapped people into. I'm trying to get people out of that, you got to think like me, you got to say like me, and you can't have a difference of opinion. No, 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 no. No. We all agree on the basics. We agree on the basics pretty much. But your opinion... Listen, this is where we have to get our measuring stick from. Right here. Right here. This is my measuring rod. I'm not trying to measure up with anybody else. Nobody else is preaching. 
And I've heard thousands of preachers down through the years. I've heard them. I've been in the service, been raised in this, got the Holy Ghost, eight years old, T.L. Lowry meeting, Waukegan, Illinois, spoke in tongues till four o'clock in the morning, eight years old. Yeah. And I've heard bunches of them all down through the years. But my, here's my thing is I don't measure by what they say. I'm even very careful about the books that I read because most of them preach from a lens that is uh, identified with their what they have been taught. Are, are you following me? And I, and I don't mind that, but I know, but that can be, that is so limiting in so many respects. Now, I understand, you know, what about traditions, Brother Dave? Yeah. We need some. We need some good ones. Yeah. We need some good traditions. Right. How about the tradition of loving the fatherless, the orphan, yes. taking care of them? Yes, How about those traditions? Yes. Some of the other traditions don't mean anything. But the traditions that the Bible talks about are the traditions that we see less, less taken care of in the church. Boy, that says a lot. And see, you're, boy, y'all ain't saying that. Are y'all learning anything? Thank you, both of you. So you, you understand. And I know, I, I know people don't like when I preach like this because it, it kind of rubs everything the wrong way. But we're going, we're going above the inferior. That, that's, why, that's why we see Kelly and, and Gary and some of the singers in a different light. Because we only look at them as worshiping through our lens. Through our lens. We don't look at as them as appointed by the Spirit of God in this house to take us into another level. Because we're used to doing it the other way. And we don't look at them as seeing it as... Let's say, let's just say, uh, like times I've seen Kelly just stop singing and just get absorbed in the Spirit of God and tears start coming down her eyes and I can see people going like, what does she quit singing for? Because she ain't singing for you. Hey, she's singing to the king and the, and the king touched her. Or Kelsey, are you following me? And, and, then, and it just goes into the, it just goes into worshiping the king and words aren't even befitting in that place. Can't even find the words to rehearse or to express that, that really express that moment of what you're feeling. And you got people that are looking through a certain lens that are going, I don't like that. And it doesn't matter if you like it or not. It's God has taken them to another level. Instead of saying, I don't like it, why don't you say, let's worship with them. Let's do what they're doing. And maybe we can feel what they're feeling. Come on, somebody. Come on, let's break the bondage that we've trapped ourselves in and step out of the boat. Peter, is that you, Lord? If that's you, bid me come. Come on. Peter could have stayed in the safety of the boat with the others. Peter could have stayed there and never known what it was like to step out and walk on the water. Some of us, because we're so trapped into looking through one type of lens, We'll never know what it's like to step out of the boat. Oh, hallelujah. 
Listen, I, it's like all the revivals that have gone on. So I had some great friends of mine said, don't, don't, go, to, don't go to certain revivals because they're doing. Now listen, I'm saying this carefully because I know there are some things that are not godly. Okay? Okay? There's some things that aren't godly. But you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You don't disregard where God has moved in totally and disregard it because you got one or two that got kind of wouldn't take instruction. And they got outside even the realm that God wanted them to go. Hello, somebody. I I mean, come on. I mean, if some of y'all get on your hands and they start barking like a dog, I'm going to try to cast the devil out of you. Hello? You start squirming like a snake, you like from front to back, I'm grabbing a hold of you. Come out. But does that mean that everybody rolls on the floor is devil possessed? No. So you don't throw the baby out of the bathwater. You got to know. There's some good things that comes out of some of the things that the enemy tries to infiltrate into, and you've got to discern and decipher those things. And that's where you have to be willing to look through a different lens. And Lord Jesus, y- y'all make me want to preach. How much more time do I got? Can I have about ten minutes more? Can I? Can I? Because you, you, oh, it's Sunday. Yeah, I like that. I like it. I like that. I like we don't put God on the schedule. Now. I have been to places where that no matter what's going on, Phyllis and I were sitting in church. Man, they were a move of God was going. People were screaming, my hair was crawling. I mean, I had gray hair growing in my bald spot. I mean, my goosebumps was covered. I mean, people all would be, wow. I mean, you knew it was God. And the preacher got up and said, All right, we need to change the order of service now. And people started grabbing their purses and just leaving. I'm like, where are they going? Where are they going? We just got this going. It just got off the ground. And they were, I realized right then, they were the caterpillars. They didn't want to fly. I want to hang around. I want want that afterglow. I want to see what God's going to do next. Oh, yeah. Come on, somebody say, yes, Lord. Oh, Jesus. I'm not even... I'm not even sure most of you are ready for this or even want this, but I, I feel like that we've got to get into the place that we can, we can see beyond where we are, that we can see past the limitations that we put on the church, that we put on us. Hello, somebody. Now, there, I, there was a time, there was a time just not too far ago that this place was full, almost every seat was full, and people wouldn't stay out of church. They'd come. But then they weren't investing. We were struggling to pay even the electric bill. There was people here that took money out of their pockets, out of their pockets, and gave to Phyllis and I because there wasn't enough money in here to even pay us. Now, some of y'all say, well, Pastor makes too much. You didn't know about them days. You didn't think about those days. I've been through the thick and thin and never complained one time. I've gone home at night and look at Phyllis and say, how are we going to pay the bills? But God would always somehow or another make a way. 
because I never limited him to what he could do. I, you know, he's got me here, but I'm not limited to just what you can do for me. It's what he can do for me. There was a time that, that, that there was, it was a people came all the time, but they wouldn't give. They wouldn't pay their tithes. They wouldn't give anything. I have people, and there were some people, they would pay their tithes down to the penny, wouldn't give a penny more. They gave their $10.73 every time and thought that that was going to change the world in here. And it was just like, whoo. But thank God we've got others now that are committed to the kingdom of God. And they're faithful. So now we're talking about and throwing around things that we're trying to advance and get things done. If we could ever get anybody to do them. That makes me think. Lexi told me she's gone, I think, vacation this week somewhere. But she told me to remind her last week she stood out there and she said, please tell the kids that we need volunteers for the play. I said, don't you have any? She goes, it just seems like they're being stubborn. Brother Dave, don't get them big brown eyes at me. She said, they're being stubborn. Please tell Hudson he needs to be Linus. And I told Hudson in the car yesterday on the way up here, I said, Hudson, Lexi wants you to be Linus. He goes, I don't want to be Linus. I said, well, who do you want to be? He said, I want to be the bird. I said, they want to make Eli the bird. No, I want to be the bird. I said, you need to be Linus. He goes, I don't want to be dirty. <laughs> How many of you want to quit crawling and start spreading your wings out? Now, listen, listen. That doesn't mean you have to be, we're not in competition. This ain't a competition thing. You don't have to be me. I don't want to be you. You don't have to be like everybody else. Be who God has called you to be. Do what God, but spread your wings out. Get above the inferior and said, I, and say, listen, I believe I can do more. I, I want to be more effective, impactive, impactful into people's lives to where that they're not limited to what we have just seen through one little lens. God's got a, a whole a spectrum for us to see through. God has the ability. How many has ever seen blinded eyes opened up when you prayed for them? There's an opportunity for you. How many has ever had deaf ears open up for you when you prayed for them? There's an opportunity for you. How many has ever seen limbs grow out? Uh, you know, just, I mean, just grow out. Hello, somebody. There's an opportunity for you. How many has ever led anybody to Jesus outside of church? How many has ever brought anybody other than your immediate family to church? There's an opportunity for you. The opportunities are limitless, limitless for us to spread our wings and to fly. But we think that we have to see everything through that same little lens. Hello, somebody. Did you, do you know that when they made the door on the ark that it had to be big enough for, for little creatures to go through, but it, had, but it also had to be big enough for the largest creatures in the world to get through? Elephants and giraffes and rhinoceros and hippos. Hello, somebody. But do you know what church has done? Church, religion has narrowed it down to a knothole. 
if you don't fit through my knot hole, then you're not applicable. The ideal it is, is let's take the limits off of one another. How many of you in here are dealing with issues in your life that you're praying for God to give you the ability to get over? And where did you read that he said for you to stop praying for others while you're dealing with those issues? Where did you read that you are to stop witnessing to others while you're dealing with certain secretive issues in your life? You don't do it. As long as somebody don't know it, you'll continue to go in that manner. But if once somebody finds something out that you think they don't agree with or they don't agree with, the moment you find that out, you stop because you don't believe they believe in you. God believes in you. Now, I, I don't care. Listen, there's people here. You got people here, and it, you're like, well, I'm not going to amen you. I don't care. I don't. I'm not stuck in your little ship, your little battleship. The ideal of it is, 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 is none of us in here have gotten to that point where we're flawless. And if you have, I want you to raise your hands. I, I, I used to work with a preacher and would ask people when they're perfect, he wanted to see them. And he'd get his pocket knife out. He said, because I want to cut you. I sat under him for a long time. The idea of it is, is all of us have those little quirks. All of us, every single one of us has... But God doesn't operate in you. Now, I'm not talking about Blanton's sin. Come on, get off of that. I'm talking about the, well, all of us have little quirks, the little stuff, the little grains, you know, the things that so easily beset us. Hello. And God doesn't disqualify us because of that. What? Do you want me to preach? Does it... And if he did, none of us would be able to operate in the kingdom. But the truth of the matter is, is he, all of us have our faults. All of us. Dallas, am I, am I being honest? I mean, Debbie won't bring Dallas coffee in the morning. Did she tell? Yay! I'm sorry, Debbie. It's, it was a joke we had going. These men want me to preach on it. Say that. Because I said one time about Phil's bringing me coffee, and we were teasing Debbie, and it was turned into a joke. But Are we okay? The ideal of it is God has so much more for us. Look at somebody, look at your neighbor and say, today I'm taking the limits off. I want to see God in a bigger picture. I, I want to see God in, 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 the, in, the, in the expanded view. I, I want to see God in the extended view. I want to see God greater than I've ever seen him before. 
I don't want to see him as this limited little religious God that we have made him to be. When he says, how many of you know the things that he's done? The Bible says, even the Bible says that the books that, that, that the things that he'd done could not be recorded in books. It could not be written down because they were so vast. How do you know? Well, Jesus did 37 miracles. I know that's recorded. But before he became Jesus as we know him, there was other things he did. In him was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. And all things that were made were made by him. Woo! That takes the limits off of the God that you and I serve. I wish somebody would go ahead and say, preach that. God did more things than we can behold with our eyes. And everything that was made was made by him. Visible and invisible. There are no limitations to what God can, has, or has already done. No limit. Look at somebody say, no limit. So if we can be, believe God for outside of the inferior, if we can allow that mind to get inside of us, if we can allow that word to get us above, up and above the inferior that we have been so trained to tap it down, tap it down, tap the brakes, hold on, let, let's just wait a minute. Now God can't do that. God can. How I many? He said all things are possible to them that be ye transformed by the what? Renewing. That changing, that metanoia, it doesn't, and it's the word repentance, but it doesn't mean just come to the altar and say, I'm sorry. It's a, absolutely, when you get born again, what happens? What's one of the first things that happens? It's not that you get emotionally attached, not that you get emotionally plugged in. All of a sudden, something begins to change. Something begins to change in the way I think. I'm no longer trapped in that inferior. The moment I gave my life to God in 1981 for the second time when I came back to God and gave him my life, all of a sudden I found myself thinking thoughts that I never thought before. All the years that I was backslid, all the years that I was on drugs, I never, I never once thought about those things. I, but now all of a sudden my mind has been released from those things and I'm no longer trapped in the inferior. Now I'm thinking things that I never thought before. I'm seeing horizons that I never saw before. I'm seeing visions that I never saw before. I see things physically, and I'm seeing things uh, in the natural that I've never saw before that are related from the Spirit. God wants to speak out of the timeless into the time so that you and I can have hope of tomorrow, that there is something greater than today that is on tomorrow. That there is something that is stronger today than there is tomorrow than there is today. Look at somebody and say hope deferred is not, is not lost hope. Tap your neighbor and say, there's something God wants you to give into. The weightlifter, if I were to drag Chris uh, Puckett up here, and we know that there's a couple of guys like Chris in here that work out, and they get their muscles expanded, and they grow, and, and it's a great thing. You know, they gain strength, but they don't work out thinking, I'm, gonna, I'm going to look. I'm going to stay the little guy. I don't, they don't do it anymore, but remember the years ago, they used, to have, they used to have the little cartoon in the back of the magazines of the guy getting sand kicked in his face, and he's laying there with a beach ball, and the guy takes his girlfriend. And he's a little skinny guy. And then he goes and gets into the Charles Atlas weightlifting clinic. And he drinks all those milkshakes. He drinks that certain stuff that tastes like vitamins. 
you know what I'm talking about? And he works out for a little while. And the next thing he walks out and he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he goes over and takes his girlfriend back. Right? 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 Come on. But it's kind of like if when you work out, you don't work out with the idea. You don't go look in the mirror and go like, I'm never changing. I'm never going to grow a muscle. When they go look in the mirror, they go, oh. You ever see them guys flexing when they go in a competition? I got to make myself a fool so you'll get in. But they'll do that. And they did that by working out in their mind. They knew what they were gaining. When you exercise your faith, when you, ex when you exercise the metanoia, when you exercise getting out of the little lens, you're saying, God, I'm believing you're bigger than what everybody says you are. I'm believing there's more. Oh, come on. Somebody say there's more. There's more. Look at someone say, the musicians come say, say there's more. There's more. Look at someone say, there's more. There's more. Come on, say it like you mean it. There's more. Listen to what this says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness can't comprehend it. The darkness cannot encircle it. The darkness can't hold it down. Look at what does it mean, darkness? Ignorance. It's the word ignorance. It's not just the lack of light. It's the word ignorance. Ignorance is not meant to hold you down. If you're here today and you're not saved, you can be saved. You don't have to be held in that darkness anymore and live in that inferior mindset and live in that inferior world and live in that inferior, my God, comprehension. You can come to this place that all things are now yours because you're serving the one that created all things. There is more to God than we have scratched the surface with and said, Brother David, I'm not getting us. Somebody's getting something out of this. Somebody's pulling this word out of me. And God is trying to tell somebody, stop, take, look at somebody and say, take the limits off of God. Take the limits off the Holy Ghost. Take the limits off what God wants to do for you. Did he not say, I will do exceedingly and more, more than you can. Or think. How saved am I? I'm saved beyond what I can even think about. I'm saved beyond what I can even imagine in my mind. I'm saved to such a degree that he said, the works that he did, I can now do them. What kind of thinking is that? See, the Lord went beyond their, their limitations. The Lord himself went beyond their limitations that they set in religious lenses. They said you can't do certain things. They said things can't happen.
But then by the time he got done into the three and a half years that he done performed the miracles and works that he did, the things that happened in under his hand, hello somebody. He didn't start performing miracles until he was 30 years old. And he only done them for three and a half years. 37 miracles were recorded in the word of God that Jesus did. And what happens after you get out of the book of John is you never see the disciples all going around and only preaching about what Jesus did, which that's what we do. All we do is preach about what he did. They didn't do that. They said, here's what he's doing. And they heal the sick and they raise the dead and they cast out devils. We've got to get out of the mindset of what he used to do and start doing what he is doing. How do I do that? Start believing the God that was there is right here. The God that was then is right now. God, hallelujah. We're the ones that are putting limits on what God can do. Look at somebody say, what need do you have in your life today? That we can crack the door open. That we can bust through. That we can pry that door open. What window do you think that you have shut? That you can give in to. That he not, and watch and see that if he will not open the windows of heaven. And pour you out a blessing that you can't even contain yourself. That it will become so overwhelming that other people will start feeling what the blessing is on your life. Because you believed him beyond the point of your last revelation. See can he not. Give and what? And what, what's the word? You heard you preach it. Give and it shall be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. How many needs to walk into that running over part? How many of you needs to walk into that running over part? Just three or four of you? I don't know about you, but I'm looking for a church that is ready and willing to walk into that running over part to where the presence of God is running over in your life. My well, my cup, my cup runneth over. My cup runs over. Why? Because I'm believing God for more than I've ever heard and ever seen done. I'm believing God to take me beyond crawling to flying. Now I know the message that I've preached today is not a kindergarten message. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not for those that want to sit back and just lean on their laurels and easy to kick into gear what God can do over there, what God did back then. I'm talking to people that need to understand. Listen, we, some of us need to understand God is trying to get a generation up out of your dilemma. Some of us are living in the dilemma of the inferior and trying to get some of us into the consciousness of the superior. Do you, do you know, Rose, a lot of people can't walk away or come out of the old covenant because they're living in the dilemma of the inferior and can't step over into the consciousness of the superior. A better covenant. Look at somebody say, a better covenant. Bye, Brother Dave. Listen, I, I don't know. I, I, think, I think some of us are ready. But then the moment I think some of us are ready, I look and I can sense in the spirit that there are some that are not willing to take that step. Some of you in a cocoon right now. If you ignore 
If you ignore the instinct to break out, you're going to die in there. You're going to spiritually dry up and never come out in full potential. God's not coming back after a weak, anemic church. He's coming back after church. Listen, I'm going to go once. To, I'm going to really get out on a limb, Sister Rose. He's not looking for a church that all they're praying for is rapture. He's looking for a church that is praying revolution, change, power, power. Some of the pastors that I sat under, that was one of their most powerful messages, power. Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. And we have come, not come to realize that yet. Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon those serpents and those scorpions. Come on, somebody. To go from death to life. To go from ignorance to knowledge. To go from the inferior to the superior. And I'm telling you right now, God is saying, if you're willing, if you're willing to step out of the confines of the cocoon, and not die inside there because I've got you this far now if you'll let me stir that instinct if you'll let me stir that instinct to come on out spread those wings and begin to do those things that I've called you to do why do you think Jesus said I only do those things I see my father do what are, what are you seeing him doing? God is saying, you've limited me. You've put me on a timetable. You've got me on a time clock. Oh, and God's saying, if you'll take me off of your time limits and your inferior in limitations and your inferior mindset, Hallelujah. I listened for years when H. Richard Hall used to preach to us and say, I'm not going to be in it. 